Jurassic Park three minutes, where we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dan. And today we're back for minute two of Jurassic Park three. New York Comic Con was uh, this past weekend. We've got some new reveals for those for us collectors uh, from that, from Prime One Studios and Chronicle. But before we get to them, Iron Studios has. Um, been hinting for a little while and they've finally got some uh, photos up of the raptors in the kitchen set from Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's right. Um, they've got the one-tenth raptor set that's going to be in the kitchen and like their um, breakout set, they're going to actually offer the pieces individually as well. Oh, so really? <laughs> can buy, yeah. So you can buy the um, whole set together, comes on a beautiful rock base, Tim's lying there um, trying to hide from the raptors. One of them's face, uh, looking back, and the other one's kind of sticking his tongue out at a ladle. Mm. And the great thing is is that they're actually going to sell each raptor individually as well for uh, $100. US dollar, wow. Which I think is going to be wonderful on the wallet. I'm, I'm already planning on buying two. <laughs> Because <laughs> they actually came out with a third raptor that is going to that is individual that is not part of the set. It's the uh, raptor that kind of just before the T Rex, just before the T Rex snaps it in his mouth, it's the one that's about to jump onto uh, Grant, Lex, Tim, and Ellie. Yeah. And it's in crouching position with its mouth open, and it just looks so dynamic and beautiful. Yeah, after it comes through the tarp and sort of goes into that attack position as it sort of goes after the Rex. But yeah, and this this looks fantastic. Like you've got that end section of the kitchen bench with um, I, I well they've got all the plates and utensils and everything in the cupboard. So if it comes mm-hmm. with all that, that's going to be a fantastic little bit of detail. And I'd have to have a look at the scene from the film to see if all that's there. But as you said, like it's got the soup ladle on the ground. You've got that other one crouching around the corner, licking it about to sniff, to um, find Tim seated around the corner, and that other one up on top, sort of looking back in the direction of Lex, where she was um, getting into that little dumbwaiter or what ha- what have you. But it, this looks fantastic. Those raptors look gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if there's some sort of um, rod or something in the feet that goes into the base. Especially for the one that's sort of crouching around the corner, licking the, the the. What do you call? I've completely lost it. What do you call a soup spoon? Ladle. <laughs> Reaching around the corner to uh, lick the ladle, but um, it's really leaning forward and on the balls of its feet, like that's that's got to be some sort of base rods or something to hold it in that pose, in that position. I do know when you buy them individually, they each come with a base. Mm. So they possibly do, yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's, I mean, it is a pretty fancy base, um, but it's not like this. It's not this diorama base, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd have to look up the pictures that I uh, post, and I will, of course, post the pictures of these and the links to yeah. them um, when this mini goes live. Yeah, well, the Trenosaur of the Breakout, it's sort of come with a rocky base that mimics the, uh, the mm-hmm. way the Explorer was laying, just so, because that pose is locked in the figure no the uh i found the picture the base here um that comes with the individual raptors it's like a metallic kind of base with the jurassic park logo and it looks it's uh pentagonal shaped mm-hmm. okay 
So this, this raises one question. We know which raptors we prefer to see in statue form. What what scene could they use from The Lost World to do some sort of... Even even if it's just a simple repaint of these raptors into that tiger stripe design, I don't... Maybe maybe um, just the power pole of Ian behind it and Sarah and Kelly and the raptor sort of crouching on it or something. But then you'd need that the truck. Be, I was thinking the... Um the one where the two raptors are fighting and Sarah's kind of pressed up against... Oh, the, yeah, yep. The, uh, I mean, you wouldn't really have to do the entire worker village to do that. you just have to do the roof base. <laughs> hey, 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 with... let's, we're hoping here. Let's let's hope for a whole worker village. <laughs> Don't worry, I've I've been hoping for a whole worker village diorama since mm. Chronicle announced the uh, visitor center, which I have no idea what's going to happen with now, actually, yeah. <laughs> because they haven't brought it up since. Yeah, no, the best we've got is that micro-machines playset, <laughs> unfortunately, but, um, yeah, well, that's it, you could only, you only need a couple of inches of that, that wall of the kiln shed to be mm-hmm. behind her, um, and she'd be leaning up against, and yeah, just have the two raptors locked in mortal combat. You could easily just do the male and the female, you know, I mean, you'd be perfect. Mm, yep, yep, yeah, because a lot... A lot of the other scenes with the raptors would involve sort of too much of an environment either inside the kiln shed, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're looking at something like the gymnastic scene. Or, but then I don't think that would be as iconic. What is iconic for haters <laughs> more than something like the the kitchen raptors in the long grass? Yeah, perhaps one of the most iconic raptor scenes in the franchise. I mean, everybody everybody quotes it, everybody refers to it. It's one of the ultimate Velociraptor references used in um, Hollywood, you know? That'd be another one, but it'd be a lot harder to pull off just because you have all the individual grass pieces to have to work with, and I don't see them doing something and keeping it economical like they did the um, the kitchen diorama here. Well, that yeah, the biggest hit issue there would be sort of mastering how you'd do that grass, but... I was sort of thinking, well, you're going to need then four or five raptors in the grass, or depending what scene from that, if you've got any humans as well. But just simply that, that production mm-hmm. shot of that male with its head above the grass and the blood dripping from its jaws. Yeah, I was thinking that too, where the, we see, or even the film shot where we see um, the two raptors' heads rise up mm. above the grass, and we just get that behind shot of them watching the, um, excuse me, of them watching the hunters uh going into the long grass yeah yeah because like we're going to see in a minute with chronicle they sort of you can do that printed backdrop of the grass going off in the distance with the hunters and the flashlights or whatever and just have something in the foreground you could even mm-hmm. cheat and just not have the whole body have sort of from the shoulders up and just have a wall of grass in front of the the sort of um, torso or something anyway <laughs> we we're start to dream <laughs> yeah, I, also have to, I really have to commend the sculpts on these figures, just because, I mean, I've seen a lot of times where the sculptures miss details. These have all of them. They have the teeth right. They have the color right. They have everything right. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect, mm. you know? Yeah, sort of, the, the breakout set as well, sort of the, the humans, they're close. Um, they're, not, they're not sort of the Hot Toys closeness. But you're not paying the price for a 12-inch, or in this case, probably six or seven-inch Tim Tim Murphy in high detail. Like the clothing and that is, and just the 
like the Alan's neck handkerchief bandana. What? Well, yeah, yeah, Randy's yeah, head. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> facial details could be a little better. I can see what they're going mm. for, but it kind of almost looks like he has eyeshadow on. But everything else outside of the eye detail looks perfect, spot on. Yeah. Right out of yeah. the movie. And that's the thing. You look at this and you know exactly what it is, even though those features mm-hmm. are a little bit off. Like, just... I, as most of the fans of the films, you're sort of looking for that animal detail, not so much the, the human character detail anyway, so... But no, that looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Moving over to Chronicle Collectibles briefly, they um they showed off two pieces at NYCC this past weekend. Um, one of them something they'd hinted at a little while ago, which is the... um, What are they calling it? The Rotunda T-Rex in one knife scale. Mm-hmm. And they've been hinting about this one for quite a while, actually. Yep. And there's sort of... There's Mm -hmm. one um, sideshow, I think it was, or Hot Toys done one uh, for probably 10 years ago now. Yeah, sideshow was... And the the, uh, the promotional images of it were like the right colors. It had beautiful sculpt. It was all that. The sculpt was there when the final product came out, but... Somewhere in it, something got lost in translation because, well, dang it, they painted them green. Mm, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We've talked before too about how Universal have loved guess, signing off on the green versions of the, the T Rexes. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I mean, dang it all, it was, if you repainted it, it'd be a beautiful. It'd be a beautiful rendition. It's not exactly a hundred percent accurate to the scene. But it's still beautiful. I mean, you got the t- they got the one raptor limp in the T Rex's mouth. The other raptors attacking the T Rex. I mean, you know, you know, one, right away when you're looking at the scene, what they're yeah. going for. Well, and that's sort of just looking at the price quickly. Thirteen forty nine um, US for this mm-hmm. figure, and that's sort of what you can get that original for now if you um, find it luckily on eBay or something like that, or maybe even Amazon. That's sort of what the second-hand market for that figure is, or that statue, and you get you get the raptors on the back. Yes, it's not an exact pose from the film, um, but just having that, yeah, as I said, that limp raptor in its mouth, the other two on its back attacking, I think that mm-hmm. banner looks better. I, there's something with this banner, I don't know, it's probably screen accurate, but it doesn't look... It looks too light, or, or too clean, or something. On, on, the, um, on the, the Chronicle, yeah, the Chronicle, Chronicle banner. This one has actually been kind of picked apart on the Chronicle Collection subform of statue form. Okay. And I can honestly see why. I can kind of agree with some of the, a lot of the criticism on this one. A lot of people are saying that the body is kind of too large and the neck is way too short. And I really have to agree with them. When you look at the scene, that neck that neck needs to be longer. I was going to ask you about the on proportions on it because yeah, just something that does seem off. Um, even sort of how it thick does, the tail yeah. is when it comes around in comparison to the feet and that. Well, the tail is another part to it. It seems too short. Yeah, and curvy. I mean, I understand the trying to keep the base of it kind of simple in a, in a way that you want to be able to um, box it up and not have pieces kind of just sticking out. But at the same time, the, ta- the it looks like they almost took inspiration for from the Papo mm. T-Rex for, from this one. Yeah, and that again, that might be because it's a 22 and a half inch diameter base. Maybe if they went out to 23 inches or 24 inches just to get 
a little bit more space. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not going to ship on its stand, the stand will be in there separately. But I don't know. I, I think I still prefer that sideshow one, even though the colour's a little bit different. Yeah. Although that stand, that stand is, I that's that's fantastic. Just it's very it's very mm-hmm. visit Jurassic Park visitor centre in feel and design. Having the um the skeletons in what look like the wood grain or in the rock, um, is fantastic. If I if I can buy that base on its own, <laughs> I'd I'd be <laughs> buying it on its own. Just maybe for um, mm-hmm. even to put just put the breakout T Rex on. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, another thing about it is that um, what was I gonna say? Oh, it's huge. Oh, it, they I think posted a picture of their social media. Um, had a social media or whatever, whatever Heather Ross I forget her position but she she answers like emails mm-hmm. she's PR she's every every all that kind of little stuff for the company and it's I mean she must have the strength of 10 men because I mean that it's it's huge I mean it's it's got to be at least three feet tall I was going to bring that up it's not in the photos here I'm looking at but I did see it before when I was looking for their links to the news story she's holding that massive thing and I know, like, how heavy the breakout Rex is, and it's nowhere near as big as this. Even the base is nowhere as big as this. Like, she seems to be holding it fairly easy, and that's that's not... I don't want to put anything on her ability to sort of hold heavy things. I I can't hold anything heavy for any long. My shoulders are buggered, but... It just just the size of it. Like, she's holding it waist height, and the, the head's up near her head. It's just... Mm-hmm. This thing is massive. <laughs> it, it, like, they've only... Oh, 22 inches tall on a 22 and a half inch diameter base so that sort of gives you a, a sort of an idea of how tall and wide it's going to be and mm-hmm. I'm, that's what I was thinking have they gone to some sort of other building sort of materials and not the polystone could it be anything else that's a lighter lighter material that's just as easy to sculpt I'm thinking they must have because I mean there's no this thing would have to weigh at least a hundred pounds you know well even shipping I had to pay one hundred and sixty dollars Australian, which would be uh, which way you go? You go up or down? Uh, oh, down. Um, so <laughs> it'd, it'd probably be one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty US to ship that thing here, and that's that's the breakout mm-hmm. Rex. I, I don't have the weight of it off the top of my head, but that's nowhere near the size of this thing. If this is polystone, especially the stand, if that thing's polystone, then it's it's going to be over two hundred dollars to ship. Look, it's just amazing. It's a, it's the kind of thing you want to go and pick up at a local store. <laughs> <laughs> I remember actually when um, the Lego Star Wars Star Destroyer, the Ultimate Collector series, came out, <laughs> and my my it was around 2012, and just so I happened to coincide with my cousin's fifth birthday going to Disney World, and I remember my parents buying it at Disney World and bringing it back on the plane just because it was easier to check it as a check-on luggage than to ship it yeah. back to the back to the, back home and uh, from Florida to Illinois. Yeah. Wow. Well, and that gets us into the next story here, the second um, big-ticket item, Chronicle Revealed. Um, they'd let known... Well, we'd seen earlier that they were going to do one-six scale characters from Jurassic Park. They had a grant. They had Owen and Blue on um, display at a few conventions around that time. And then Grant, I know they were having some issues with uh, the likeness. I don't think Sam Neill had done a final sign-off on it. 
and I don't even know mm-hmm. it, what what's happened with Owen and Blue. Has it even come out, or I can't recall. I have no idea. I mean, there's a bunch of products that they've shown prototypes to. I've yeah. not heard about. There's the um, final showdown from Jurassic World yep. that people are still asking yep. about. And that's not with the Indominus. Yeah, and that's not even going into some of the other things they've hinted at, like the visitor center <laughs> and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. then, then we heard word that maybe the uh, the one six line was not going to continue anymore. And uh, now we've uh, we've got a new character from Chronicle, but it's not the sort of uh, action figure you'd expect or the statue you'd expect. It's um, <laughs> another sexy Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Now this is too this is too close to Funko's release to sort of be on that bandwagon. I think because they, they had this thing painted at NYCC, looking ready to ship. Um, whether it actually does mm-hmm. ship this year, there's no information on this article here about it. But it's <laughs> it looks fantastic. Again, sort of Chronicle or even Iron if it's part of Ironhead or, or Iron Studios, but just sort of the face is close. The face is close, mm. yes. The chest could be hairier, <laughs> but I mean, that's neither here yeah. nor there. <laughs> but it's it's a fantastic look at uh, Ian Malcolm. Again, on one of those fantastic bases of just the, the T-Rex skeleton in amongst the rock on the base. Now that, I'm I'm a fan of everything. I love it. I think it looks amazing, but the base just does not go with the motif at all. This is Ian Malcolm. He doesn't like Jurassic Park. Don't go with the Jurassic Park motif on him. You know? I'm not sure what they would have used. Maybe a simple metallic base, kind of to um, kind of to imitate the table he's laying on. But I I don't know. I'm not sure about the base on this one. This one is one fourth scale. It's 10 inches tall and 18 inches in diameter base. Okay. I wonder if um. I'm trying to think on the film. What did they have him laying on in the control room? Was it a computer desk? I think it was. Even even just sort of like a as the base have like a computer desk with a screen on it showing the Jurassic Park map or something. Even mm-hmm. just a. He, I I think he was laying on like the steps or something because oh, you can see. Yeah, because the... he uses a handrail that runs along that. There's sort of like that elevated section that runs along. Hammond go Hammond walks mm-hmm. along it later when he's or early when he's grilling Nedry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you have that section of of catwalk or that elevated section there, and then have a printout of those big round windows behind him as sort of the background in your display, or that wall of this, the um, the the uh, control room anyway. Because one thing Chronicle was showing off with that T Rex is a print of the rotunda, the, like the inside of the visitor center in the background. Which you'd want in the background of that that statue anyway, but but I've um paying thirty bucks for a Funko sexy Malcolm was enough for me. I I don't want to um commit this sort of money to I don't I don't love the Malcolm character enough or this scene to um <laughs> to spend. Have they listed a price? Yeah, it's on. I just called. Oh. The page. <laughs> Um, it's six hundred dollars. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that that sort of takes yeah. takes away from the novelty of that thirty dollar Funko Pop. Mhm. And it's it's sort of just we want the characters. Yes, it's a it's a um, important 
uh, version of the character from the film. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I need it in my collection. All that T Rex again. If I if I had thirteen hundred dollars to spend, I'd be buying the sideshow one. <laughs> even even if the colours that that green sort of irks you because it's not really Jurassic Park T Rex, they did do a bronze version as well. Now that of course is going to be a lot more expensive, but that way you've still got that sculpt, but um, just in the bronze bronze colour, which is another possibility as well. And lastly. Uh, Prime One Studios, which I've only sort of dealt it, dealt with before, with some of the Transformers statues they've got, have released. I can't go that that statue forum is not working for me because I'm not <laughs> signed on. Oh, That's alright. I've seen the photo oh, anyway. Okay. Um, we're getting some more dinosaur statues from Prime One. Uh, they've released a head CG shot of the Stiggy Mollick. Uh, mhm. It's in the sculpting phase right now, and. The details look beautiful. I believe on Prime One has been working with Julian uh, Romeo of um, Jurassic Origin or, or Jurassic Park Origins mm-hmm. fame, and so a lot of his sculpts are like dead on. He's a absolute perfectionist, and I've seen some beautiful work coming out of him. And he's been working really uh, heavily with Prime One Studios to bring some fantastic stuff. Yeah. I know that the Raptors that they've also been working, that they also released, or are releasing alongside Blue, they're releasing Jurassic Park Raptors with diorama-style bases. Now, the bases have also um, got the same kind of Jurassic uh, bone and rock motif as Chronicle stuff, but the dioramas are so beautiful, Mm, you know? And, I mean, you can see all kinds of beautiful, all kinds of um, accurate uh, plant material that we actually see in the movies. And like I said, this was the raptors were sculpted by Julian Romero, and then also the uh, breakout, not known, yeah, uh, Prime One's own version of the breakout uh, diorama was also sculpted by Julie, Julian Romero. So. We got fans working now on the inside, and it's great to see some uh, see their work yeah, here. Yep. And then just think, five years ago, you had to go and buy a third-party animal from Papo or somewhere else, and then pay again to uh, to get someone to custom paint it for you, just into <laughs> into some of those colours you love. And now we got all these. We got Prime One doing all these raptors and animals. You got Chronicle doing theirs. You got Ironhead, the Iron Studios doing theirs. So. The um the choice is out there for uh for for animal designs um and just getting some of those Jurassic dinosaurs in your collection or start starting mm-hmm. a collection <laughs> building a collection of Jurassic dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, it's a great time to be a Jurassic Park fan mm-hmm. right now, just because I mean there there's so much new merchandise coming out. Of, alone we even when Jurassic Park was popular back in the late 90s and early 2000s still we weren't getting mm. this we weren't we only dreamed of having this much collectors merchandise to work yeah. with and now prime ones even even uh, coming out with a spinosaurus uh, diorama where it trashes the plane <laughs> well and so the spinosaurus one um let me bring up some pics here real quick. That's going to be a massive set. Yeah, that one's going to be another one. Um, 
Although I suppose you could just have sort of the the ruined part of the plane on the ground at its feet with its arms resting on it and have that aspect. That's actually exactly okay. what they have. They have the cockpit there with the oh. Spinosaurus standing. Looks like it's roaring, and you can see again. It uses the again. It's only in CGI yeah. format, but you can see slash marks on the plane cockpit. You can see that kind of the kind of gnarled roots that they had in the movie. Wow. The same kind of um, leaf, uh, those segmented leaves that they had, uh, that was also used in the um, Velociraptor dioramas that yeah. they had. And it's just amazing to see. I mean, we're getting so much love for all of this franchise. Mm. You know. Well, that's it. And even even going to some other scenes from Jurassic Park Three, you get like just having that bridge section with the Pteranodon on it and Eric Kirby on the other side, and then all you need. You don't need the ends of the bridge, you just need the middle section as your main display and base, and then just have a grey background to simulate the mist or the fog. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, so... I don't think they'd go as far as having a raptor standing behind an embryonics tube, but... <laughs> they might have... Yeah, they, they might, might have something no. something around that, even even just a raptor trying to bust through between the two to lunge at Amanda, mm -hmm. so... And I hear that um, with Julian's raptors... Prime One's also going to be releasing the Lost World Raptors as well, as as well as Jurassic Park Three Raptors. <laughs> so we do know it's coming. Oh man, I need to find a new job, one that pays better. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, man. Oh well. Wow. I, I got my paycheck last Friday. I'm like, this is not yeah. going to do. Is I need it? more. <laughs> oh, but what do you do? Sometimes the um, the choices gets smaller and smaller, unless you want to travel further and further. As we went on the first minute of Jurassic Park 3, Enrique was staring up at the Coast Guard plane flying overhead. As we start on minute 2, he puts his binoculars down and looks around nervously before tapping his boat captain on the shoulder and saying something to him in Spanish. The 15 second mark, the boat powers across the water, crashing over the waves. 22 second mark, Enrique clasps parasail tow line onto the harness in front of Eric and says, here you go, my friend. Ben tells Enrique to make sure they get him as close as they can and that you'll give him something extra if he makes it a good trip. Enrique replies, I'll try to get you too close, but not too close. You don't want to be eaten. At the 46 second mark, after giving the thumbs up, Ben counts down from free and pulls the ripcord on the parachute and the two are pulled suddenly off the back of the boat and up into the air. And as the minute ends, the tow cable spools out, sending the two guests higher into the air. And this ends the second minute of Jurassic Park 3. And as we open up on the uh, second minute of the uh, film, we get the shot from before of the uh, Coast Guard plane flying overhead, but it uh, changes to reveal it being seen through a pair of binoculars. And the plane gets rather cartoonish here as you see it. <laughs> see the reflection. I don't, I don't really think it's needed. We know we sort of if you didn't allow for the uh, the break up between the two minutes. You have the in the last minute you have the plane flying overhead, then it cuts down to a guy looking up at it through binoculars. I think you can safely assume uh, this guy shouldn't be there, and he's <laughs> he's watching the plane closely. Well, then he looks around the side of him each time, and he's like, "Who are you looking for?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you looking to see if the plane radiator Coast Guard or 
Are you expecting the boat to be flying in at a great rate of knots to uh, to capture you? Or um... I know, but I mean, it's like it's a big. I mean, it's a big island. You have a wall a wall of green rock on one side of you, an open ocean on the other. You're yeah. gonna see anything that's coming. Yeah. With those binoculars. Yeah, it's like the um, his direction for the scene was just look sheepish. <laughs> Pretend you're um, something's going to approach, but uh, yeah, we do get the, the binoculars dropped down here, and we get our first look at uh, Enrique looking sheeplessly around before he taps his boat operator on the shoulder and tells him something in Spanish, which I assume is "Let's go" or "Let's go," <laughs> "Let's get going," something along those lines, because the boat speeds mm-hmm. off. But uh, it's sort of I I haven't watched the start, the opening of the film in a long time, and I first straight up thought it was um, Uncle Rico from the Poland Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> being um, being a few years before that film um, coming out, so I thought this might have been him without that long, shaggy hair. But no, it's a completely different actor. I learned. Thank you, IMDb. <laughs> so, but yeah, we get the camera pull back, and we can see the large floating or large boat floating in the uh, ocean, and the island off in the background. You can already sort of see in some shots here the coast where it's hazy or there's a light mist blowing to sort of set up mm-hmm. what we're going to get. Uh, a little bit later and you can sort of understand here why they're not moving because if you're in a boat and you're moving through the through the ocean or through the water the uh the wash behind you you can be seen from the sky pretty easily oh yeah i mean it'll break the wave pattern very easily you can see that i mean from miles up yeah it's almost the reverse of being able to see the the ice trail behind a plane from the ground it's just <laughs> You can see you can see a plane there, and the plane can see you. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of as we get a look here at the boat too, it's white. <laughs> it's not blue. It's not. There's no camouflage involved whatsoever. It's just a white boat on a blue ocean. I mean, in choppier seas, that will become pretty invisible, yeah. hard to see. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Um, but uh, yeah, Enrique steps down. Under the uh, under cover, as the boat powers up and races forward towards the island, and you get a great shot looking down directly ahead of him as the boat cuts through the waves. And as we said before, you can clearly see that wash behind it. Um, mm-hmm. And then we uh, we get a shot where we cut to um, him clasping the tow rope to the harness on Eric and uh, tells him, "Here we go, my friend." And sort of it's funny here too, like seeing even though it's two thousand and one, just seeing how old these life jackets and that look and how how much of a um, shoddy enterprise this seems to be, or he's just doing it on, <laughs> on the cheap. It's I mean, I can, can imagine um, guys sitting on, uh, on the beach with a sign that says, free dinosaur, or not for like, exclusive dinosaur tour or something like that, you know? Yeah, but then they've got sort of, it's reversible so they can turn it around when the local law or something comes walking past. <laughs> just to keep the uh the heat off them because um, even in the in the script the boat's described as having a, a platform built onto the back of it just so they can launch this um parasail and it's got a second hand winch on there itself a different vehicle just how how shoddy the enterprise has been put together to to get people out to essentially look at some cliffs <laughs> Which we uh, discussed in the um, the trailer talk too, just how how um, oh, how 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 much your hopes would be dashed when you got to the island and realise that you're not going to be able to see a lot. Uh, oh, 
everything, all the big dinosaurs, according to Hammond, are on the <laughs> inside of the island, or all the big bad ones that you want to see on the inside of the island. Mm. You know? Like the T-Rex. Yeah. Well, and, seems... and of course, Kerb, uh, Eric contradicts that, so we'll have to talk about that when that minute comes up. Yeah. But then we get um, Ben yelling into the wind, make sure you get us as close as you can, I'll give you something extra if you make it a good trip. And Enrique replies to him, going to get you close, my friends, but not too close. You don't want to get eaten. <laughs> and then Ben laughs at that response. Because <laughs> yeah. we get here a shot too as he gives a thumbs up and they, um, he asks if they're ready. We get a cut back from the rear of the boat, powering ahead through the waves. and almost looks like they're entering a lagoon. Well, they're definitely going between two sections of rock anyway. Um, mm. Obviously, the one on the left must be that little rocky, or must be some sort of rocky island out off the shore, but fair enough, they're going to go into the lagoon like where um, Malcolm's team was dropped off on the barge, and you're probably going to have a better chance of looking at or seeing animals. Um, but then again, if once you start getting to a river and it starts getting a bit more close, in, like enclosed, you're not going to have the speed to keep the parasail up in the air, but it would, it would give your visitors or your the people you've brought along a better view anyway. I'm sure mm-hmm. if, if people started going back saying they were seeing dinosaurs, you'd have a lineup to uh, to come along, and you could probably afford some better gear and charge a bit more money to do it. And probably attract unwanted attention. Yeah, yep, true. <laughs> ben gives us the three, two, one countdown, pulls the ripcord of his parachute, and then we get the uh, the fr- uh, the front shot of the dinosaur parachute open as it pulls Ben and Eric off the back of the boat, and you get a clip glimpse of the uh, telephone number two one. 283 Dino <laughs> underneath Dinosaur. So at least they've got a phone number. Unless this uh, parachute come from somewhere else. It might be the one thing they actually got made up for the uh, for the Enterprise. Mm. I don't know. I, I mean, it's clearly custom made. I'd have to imagine they probably had it made. I suppose one thing I didn't um, look into as well, 120 miles. I think that's what it said before, when, how far Sauna was from Costa Rica, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a long way to travel by out, by boat. <laughs> we 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 discussed in the Lost World minute about how long it took, or possibly took, the venture to get back to California. But here you're sort of going from Costa Rica out to Sauna. It doesn't look like there's any refreshments on board or <laughs> anything. It just it sort of sets up here that looks like it's just a day trip out. Do your parasail and turn around and come back. I'm sure it is probably just a day trip. I mean, they were probably on vacation already, and then just, and then saw this and was like, sure, why not? You mm-hmm. know. We heard the stories. Mhm. Yeah, and then we get a, a series of shots of Ben and Eric being towed along behind the boat, enjoying themselves as the uh, parasails getting lifted up into the air even higher. But uh, parasailing, David, have you ever been parasailing before? Never been parasailing. I have no idea how it works. <laughs> well, it's a little bit different to this. Normally, in normal parasailing, the chutes are a lot larger and rounder to uh, make you more stable when you're up in the air, because there's no, con- there's normally no control to the harness when the, uh, I suppose, it, when the rider's strapped in and up in the air. And I suppose here they need it to be a parachute for what we get later in the aviary and for uh, when Ben unhooks the line so they can sort of drift in over the island because if 
it was a proper parasail than one especially with the ocean with the like ocean currents and the, the wind on the cliffs they'd probably get blown out to sea and not <laughs> towards the island uh, which would make a short film <laughs> unless they swum <laughs> swum back in the shore but um yeah for that and for later on when we get to the aviary you really need the whoever was wearing the parachute to be able to control it and steer it so and there's a couple of signs here that we're going to get to um next minute where you can clearly see the parachute sort of moving all over the place because it's not as stable in the air as what a proper parasail would be on one of the one of the flyby scenes we get next minute you can see it's clearly swinging left to right yeah. But um, yeah, as the minute ends, we get the shot of the uh, tow cable continuing to be wind- spooled out. Or tow rope, I suppose it is. But um, just briefly looking at some of the script comparisons. Um, the script opens the boat cutting across the ocean towards Sauna. There's no plane flying overhead. Well, no, that's been added for the film. And um, Enrique is described as an illegal parasail operator from Costa Rica. And I sort of don't really think it need that in the film. The point is that they're here on Sauna, which is the illegal point, not that he's sort of running the illegal operation of the parasail operator to start with, yeah. whether it's shady or not. But the boat itself sort of described as being a little bit different. It's got a makeshift platform on the back and two large hand winches on the deck, or two large second-hand winches on the deck. And we also get a bit of a scene, too, where they're actually waiting for the boat to get to a specific speed before um, Enrique gestures, gestures to Ben to pull the ripcord. But, yeah. well, I mean, that would make more sense, right? Mm. I mean, I think it was kind of meant to kind of evoke Jaws 2 here. You know the parasail <laughs> scene in Jaws 2? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think it was kind of meant to invoke that, mm. you know? Yep. Yeah, well, it won't be the last time we get some sort of callbacks like that in the franchise. Um, we've, we've talked a lot about Fallen Kingdom and some of the stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of, you, you see in the film, you clearly see the boat gets up to speed and it has got enough speed to uh, to pull the parachute out when Ben pulls the ripcord and uh, lifts him up into the air. So, again, a lot of things here, they sort of cut and tighten up a lot for the final film, which gets us to the, uh, I think the 96 or 94 minute runtime. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing about this movie is, I mean, everybody knows the feature... Well, not maybe not everybody, but the feature uh, film length for a horror movie or a comedy is 90 minutes. Mm. And Jurassic Park is not a horror... Well, it's kind of a, kind of a horror movie, but it's definitely not a comedy. Mm. You know, I mean, it's... it's In its simplest, uh, a sci-fi techno-thriller is really what it is. It's... It's sci-fi technology. I mean, I can't really explain it much more than that. It, it's thrilling in the effect that it puts you on your at the edge of your seat without being straight horror. Yeah. You know. But I mean, they, when you chop it down to ninety minutes, it was it's just really unnecessary. They didn't need to do that. I mean, there was a lot that they could have left in, especially considering the deleted scenes that we'll get to discussing mm. in this uh, podcast, you know? Yeah, I think um, we, we've had the discussion before to sort of the, to compare it to, uh, like, Fallen Kingdom, where a lot of stuff they've cut, a lot of, um, I think as Bayona called it, fat off fat off the end of a scene or just, just sort of shortening scenes to um, tighten the editing up and 
keep that runtime down a little bit, but we're here, just whole scenes, again, because of script issues and everything else, just weren't weren't filmed. The whole nighttime stuff in the lab, for instance, and the, the chase out of there. And um, but we'll get all, get to all that when we get to those minutes. But until then, David, anything else on minute two? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com, and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you have the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven get me on that island. You're desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! Take the phone to mommy! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.